episode 217 of the Pilot the Pilot podcast takes off now. Fly with Garmin Avionics, then grab your mobile device and make the Garmin Pilot app your cockpit companion. Get advanced functions you'll use before, during, and after every flight, including updating your aircraft's databases and logging engine data, plan, file, fly, log with Garmin Pilot. Pilot the Pilot is brought to you by the Finer Points. These guys are constantly adding content to the Ground School app. Check it out at learnthefinerpoints.com. Avi Nation, what is going on? And welcome back to the Pilot the Pilot podcast. My name is Justin Seams and I am your host. Today's podcast is another solo podcast, a day in the life of a freight pilot. This is my second job. So what I'm talking about is my second job that I've ever had in aviation. And it was a doozy, man. It was hard work, lots of flying, just a lot. Uh, Would I do it again? Probably just because it was a really good way to build your hours. Uh, Do I want to do it again? Absolutely not. It was (laughs) a lot of single pilot IFR, pretty much only single pilot IFR and a lot of bad weather and a lot of weird places. But anyways, if you enjoyed today's podcast, please leave a review, like it, uh, send it to all your friends. Like I said a million times, take their phone, literally take their phone and force them to subscribe. They will not regret it later. Uh, and, and tell them to leave a review too, because it's the best. Uh, check out Pilot's Coffee and follow us on Instagram at Pilot the Pilot. Uh, yeah. But anyways, without any further ado, here's a day in the life of a freight pilot. All right. So my path to freight, so my path up to where we are today, uh, it was working on my CFI, and I decided to take a job becoming an aerial survey pilot. If you want to hear more about that, it was in the previous podcast that I just released last week called A Day in the Life of an Aerial Survey Survey Pilot. Uh, I can do another one of those as well and get more in-depth if you'd like, so let me know. But that was my path. So I never wanted to be a CFI. I knew that. I have told everyone that a million times. My path was to get to where I am right now. That was always my goal. Uh, at one point when I was younger, it was to go to regional and work for the airlines. But the longer I was staying on the general aviation side of things, I just always wanted to stay in that side and going to college and a certain city where a certain company is based, I was able to see firsthand of a great career option. So I chose that career option. I did everything I could to get there. I got hired at my freight job. So I left Midwest Aero Photography at 950 hours. And as I talked in the last one, we had an engine failure. And I had a lot of maintenance issues, so I really was trying to get out as soon as possible. Now, the one good thing about Midwest Aero Photography, for me personally, was that I got to fly a lot of multi-engine pilot, or I got to fly a lot of multi-engine planes. So I was able to get a ton of multi-time, which later helped out for me to get the job I have now. Um, So Midwest Aero Photography went to Priority Air Charter, single pilot planes. They have an American flag painted all over them, PC-12s and caravans. Uh, I got hired at 950 hours. I was in their SIC program, an FAA-approved SIC program before those people out there start saying that that wasn't real flight time. It was FAA-approved, so it's real. It can count. So that's what we did. I did that until I got my mandatory 135 hours. I can't remember. I think it's 1,200 or 1,250. I had to sit SIC for about 300 hours on those planes and just kind of get a vibe for it. And I kind of enjoyed that because... I got to really see what it was all about and I wasn't just thrown to the wolves because a single pilot IFR life uh, or just freight life is pretty intense and having about 200 hours to kind of get a deal of uh, a good idea of what to do on your own is, is pretty crazy. Um, it was a lot. The schedule when I got there, it was nine days on, 
and four days off. It might have been ten days on and four days off. Uh, it was not ideal. It was it was not a good schedule. I did not enjoy it. Uh, four days off was great, but it. <laughs> The best way to explain it is after you had 10 hours off of any trip, they could call you whenever they wanted, no matter what. You could have flown for 14 hours, and there are some other duty limitations as well as you go over certain duty hours and flying hours, but you can have a full duty day, 10 hours off. You never know when they're calling you. They call you right away, and they let you know you got a trip. Um, there, there's no, really no chance for you to say no. Uh, the weather could be bad. You got to go try to figure out, find a way to get it done. There's a lot of expectations to get this freight to where it needed to go as soon as possible. So I entered into the caravan. It was at a small airport. It was at a privately owned airport with quite a bit of obstacles. I had one tree uh, on the other side that was terrifying when you first get there and landing at night there was never fun. Uh, I mean, it was kind of a cool, uh, fun experience for a couple of times, but then when you are coming in at night, landing on the North runway and you have 14 hours of duty and you're on your 91 leg that doesn't count toward 135 time uh, and you're dead tired, it is not a good idea. But that was just the way it was. Um, unfortunately, there was an accident there a couple of years after I left. Uh, the boss died in a plane crash. They were flying a DC-3, a turbine converted DC-3, which they would do on the field. And they lost an engine and were not able to recover. It was a terrible situation. And if anyone was in that plane at the time, he is the pilot you want. He was an amazing pilot, has tons of DC-3 time, and he is the person that you'd want to recover in any situation. So it just goes to say that sometimes you're in a situation that not you, you just can't get out of. And unfortunately, that was that for that day. But the freight life, um, I lived about 15 minutes away. My contract required me that it had to be within 15 minutes at all times. That was really hard in a small town of Northeast Ohio of Kidron, Ohio. Uh, oddly enough, my wife is kind of from that area. So her parents were, were, were there. She grew up in that area, but we had to find a place in Worcester, Ohio. And shockingly, it was not as cheap as you would imagine. We were paying way more than I was making. I think my first paycheck when I was SIC, I was getting paid $600 every two weeks. I think it was, <laughs> it was insane. My first year there, I think I made about $35,000 and first year aero survey I made about $27,000. So when I preach that this industry is very much delayed gratification, I truly mean it. This is something that it's definitely a little bit different now, but you're still not going to be making 500 grand, 600 grand or 400 grand, whatever you think you're going to be making as a captain for an A350 or a captain on some sweet corporate jet flying a fractional life. It takes a lot of time and it's a lot of hard work and a lot of dedication. Yeah, you might get that signing bonus, but eventually you're going to be in year two, year three pay where your pay is not what it was year one. So it could be worse. Just think about that. Uh, it took me well into getting this job I have now before I made fifty thousand over fifty thousand dollars, which is insane. Uh, funny enough, I know I'm kind of jumping ahead. When I left that job, my chief pilot also left the next week, and within a day, they doubled their pay. So I, I think there now you can make close to ninety thousand dollars, but all their pilots have quit from what I've heard. So that's not a dig; it's just the truth. But anyways, so we worked ten days off, four days, ten days on, four days off. And you were pretty much flying, I would say, every day or every other day. Uh, it started out a little bit slower. So there would be some days where you just want to do anything. And when really slow times, I can't remember what it was, they, they had slow freight windows where you wouldn't fly for five days. And all we would do, this is before the podcast, and this is why the podcast was started. All we would do is all of us would, would just hang out and uh, we'd play video games with each other online, Call of Duty or Battlefield. 
Uh, my wife would leave to go to school at 8 a.m. I would, she would come home at 5 p.m. and I'd still be playing the same video game and probably haven't really eaten too much. And she <laughs> was like, what are you doing with your life? Um, but that was, that was very rare the later we got into it. Um, let's, let's go ahead and do kind of a week. Uh, so I'd start on a Monday at 6 p.m. and usually you get called out a couple hours later. There was a good chance you would have been up all day, get called out at 11 p.m to go fly until 14 hours later. Like that was just how it was. How do you stay awake? You literally do whatever you can. You sing, you yell, you smack yourself, you eat food. I found that if you can have sunflower seeds in your mouth, chew gum, if you're just chewing on something, uh, you will always be awake. Uh, That was kind of my fail safe was always to chew stuff. Uh, Watch TV, watch movies, download anything, whatever you could do to stay awake, you had to do. Uh, luckily, the controllers at night, they're pretty cool and they kind of understand the freight life. So uh, they definitely will call you a couple times, maybe call you a little louder to make sure you're awake. Luckily, I never fell asleep. At least I don't think I ever fell asleep while I was flying by myself. But there's a couple times where I'd be on the road and you would be in the air and they'd be calling uh, some company and they don't respond. They don't respond. They don't respond. I'll hear him calling guard. And then 20 minutes later, they call in and be like, hey, did we miss a call? And they're like, yeah, you're on. We called you like 20 minutes ago. And it's like, crap. That's just kind of the freight life. Uh, it's it's not easy. There's a lot of times you're waking up at 4 o'clock in the morning, get our UPS runs, and you would see people that look like they literally just got out of the casket. Like they looked rough. They were old airline pilots. They... Did not look like they should be up at 4 a.m. flying a caravan from Lansing to Pelston, Michigan, and then back and then going to sleep. Uh, that was a contract that we did with UPS, so we would also do UPS freight. But the majority of the freight that we flew was on demand. So a lot of the times we would go do auto parts. We would go fly to Ypsilanti. We'd go fly to Pontiac. We'd go fly anywhere in the Detroit area, and we would take freight wherever they wanted to go, whether it's Mexico, whether it's Canada literally anywhere in North America we have done. And we also did flights in the Caribbean. And then uh, I believe that's as far as it went. I don't think they did much South America stuff. But so here's what we would do. They would call us. They'd be like, hey, you have a trip. You need to be off in 45 minutes. So that was the daytime. Or if you were at nighttime, they give you an extra 15 minutes to get ready at night. So you need to be off in an hour. And that's wheels up time. Your wheels up need to be off within either 45 minutes or an hour of that flight. Let's take a break from today's episode to hear from our sponsor, RAA. Did you know there are three action steps you can take to protect yourself in a volatile market? Volatility in the market can make the best investor a little nervous and take actions that they know they normally wouldn't. It can be stressful and you may be thinking, shouldn't I be doing something though? Well, the answer is yes. The first and maybe the most important action you can take, resist the urge to make decisions based on the recent market movements alone. This is very tough, but it will pay off in the long run. Next, if you're feeling stressed in this market, it may be time to review your risk tolerance and your ability to take a loss in downturns. We all like to think we can take the risk up until the point where we actually see fluctuations in our portfolios. And lastly, get a second opinion on where you stand financially so you can take a longer-term view of the market in your financial plan. Don't know where to start? RAA can help. Founded by pilots for pilots and with four decades of financial planning and investment management experience, RAA is intimately familiar with the unique benefits, risks, and career timelines that pilots face. Whether you're early in your career as a pilot or you spent years flying the line, RAA is here to help you navigate your financial journey from takeoff to touchdown. For more pilot-specific planning tips, go to raa.com slash pilot to pilot. 
With high-resolution coast-to-coast composite radar and cloud-to-cloud, cloud-to-ground lightning updated every 2.5 minutes along with always available weather products like METARs, ECOTOPS, and StormTracks, Sirius XM lets you fly confidently knowing that your weather information is available at 500 feet or at your destination 500 miles ahead. Check out aopa.org forward slash SiriusXM to get a two-month free trial to try these products out for yourself. And now back to today's episode. So we get the call. Uh, if it's Camp Pass, you get to call Camp Pass, set that all up and call them back. And Camp Pass is uh, Canadian customs, essentially. So you got to call that. And sometimes that's a little bit more difficult than you would like it to be. But we get the call for dispatch. They tell you to come. You pretty much already have your, your go bag packed and ready to go. So you get the bag, you put it in your car, you kiss your wife, you say goodbye, you say bye to Kemba, and you get in the car and you drive 15 minutes to get there. And then you have about five minutes to pre-flight the plane. You get your iPads and you get your trip sheet. You look it over, you see the freight, you see if it's hazardous, you see what it kind of needs to do or what kind of sticks out. And you, you kind of plan your flight from there. You, you load it in the foreflight, you look at the weather on the way, and then a lot of times you just, you just take off and go. You call IFR in the ground, let them know when you're getting ready to take off. But a lot of times those take off and figure it out later. <laughs> you didn't have enough time to really figure it out. Now you weren't taking off in a, to really nasty stuff without having a set plan or a really good idea of what you were going to do. But if there's weather and route, it was deal with it as you go and, and find a way through. That was their motto. It was essentially, you know, punch through and figure out how, what the best way to do it. As I kept going, I was figuring out my, my safety minimums with weather, and I decided that wasn't how I wanted to do it. So I deviated more probably than some other pods would. And that's just me. I uh, do not like messing around with thunderstorms, and I definitely give them the respect that they deserve. And I figured if I'm three minutes or five minutes late, <laughs> or even two minutes late, it's okay if the ride was better, even if I'm just flying freight and I'm not having any passengers on board. So we get the call, we take off. I was in a small small airport where you had no way to contact them on the ground. Take off, get your IFR from Akron, and off you went. Uh, I'd say nine times out of, no, I'd say seven times out of 10, you would go to Ypsilanti. So it'd be about a 45-minute flight. Go to Ypsilanti, you go pick up freight, and you would strap it down. You were responsible for, sometimes responsible for driving the forklift, loading it, unloading it, doing everything. It was not an easy job. No APU. You were in the, the brutal weather conditions and you had to figure out a way to get it done. You had to do your own weight and balance and you had to ratchet it. You had to figure out how to move a 3,000 pound skid right where it needed to go for your CG and pray that the ratchets didn't break. That was always terrifying to me. It's like, are these ratchets really going to hold 3,000 pounds of screws? Because if 3,000 pounds of screws just get loose in the airplane, it's over. Game over. Nothing you can do. Um, but yeah, so caravan, you put the tail stand in always every single time. And let's say the freight shows up. A lot of times, like I said, you got to drive the forklift to put the, your own freight in, which is always interesting. <laughs> Never imagined getting my pilot license and also being freight, freight forklift certified and uh, driving a forklift so often. There's one story in Detroit City where I actually had to start a forklift with a screwdriver. So that was fun. <laughs> but yeah, that was crazy. Anyway, so we load the freight. Let's say we're going down to Laredo to clear customs. So we're in the PC-12. A lot of times with the PC-12, was anything under 1,200 pounds, you could put it right in the door. It was guaranteed to be under your CG. And obviously, you'd run a weight and balance just to make sure, but you would be good to go. So 1,200 pounds, let's say we got one skid. We put it in. A lot of times, we could get three skids of 1,200 pounds in a Pilatus. So you put one in, and then you have to figure out a way to move it all to the front. You put another one, you got to fill out the move it all the way in the middle. You put another one, you got to put it right by the door. Uh, you, you pull down on the tail stand, make sure everything looks okay, uh, and make sure the tail's not going to fall down by the time that you remove it. And then you remove that 
after you've done your weight and balance and you do a walk around and then you blast off from there. It's get there as soon as you can. You get your clearance, you blast off, you take off and you're on your way. Uh, a lot of times when we're going to Ypsilanti, we couldn't make it to Laredo all in one go. So we would stop in Shreveport or we would stop in Little Rock, Arkansas to get fuel and then we'd carry on. Now, usually when you go to Laredo, you are going there to clear customs going to Mexico. And when you go to Mexico, you're not going to Cancun, you're not going to Cabo, you're going to these small airports in the middle of nowhere, Mexico. It's kind of crazy. The first time I ever shot a VOR approach, DME circle VOR approach was in Mexico. <laughs> uh, it was definitely fun. Let me just put it that way. Uh, so a lot of times we go deep into Mexico and, uh, and then we'd fly back to Laredo and we'd be there for our guaranteed 10 hours off. And once we had 10 hours off, we would get a call probably to go do it all again. We'd fly from Laredo to Mexico, then back to Laredo then take it back up to Detroit or they'd ship it to Laredo and we'd take off to go to Detroit. Uh, there's other times we didn't always go to Mexico. So sometimes we'd go to Yip and we would go fly. There's one trip that we did consistently from Mercedes. It was to pick up freight in South Bend, Indiana, and then we'd take it down to Pell City, Alabama, and we could do two of those in a day. Now, if you did two trips in a day, you got an extra $100. So it was always good when you got some extra money. <laughs> you were always pumped about that. Um, you weren't home all the time during those 10 days. There's a lot of times where if you're in a certain radius, they would bring you home. But a lot of times if you were outside of like, and you're in Alabama, if you're west of Illinois, if you were uh, in the New York area, they might just leave you out and uh, try to get you another trip because it was cheaper than sending you back home. But they did always promise and try to get you home every night if they could. There was a time in their in their career where they would always come home no matter what, uh, but that was not anymore. Um, so yeah, that was pretty much the freight life. Uh, crazy stories, uh, just weather. If you're a freight dog, you know. If you're not a freight dog you will become the best possible pilot you ever can be by flying freight. Uh, nothing can prepare you for it other than just doing it, and nothing can ever live up to what those times were in your life. It, it was a wild, wild time, truly a wild time. And uh, like I said, I love flying the PC-12, and that's what I wanted to fly. I actually had a moment where I was on the caravan, and I was getting ready to upgrade to the PC-12, but to do that, I needed to sign another one-year contract. Now, I had about 2,000 hours at the time, I was very competitive for the regional airlines. All my friends were leaving for the regional airlines, and I chose to go to the PC-12 for two reasons. Number one, I was never really excited about the regional airlines. And number two, I've always wanted to fly PC-12. And I figured if I go to the regionals and then eventually go to the majors, I'm never going to get a chance to fly PC-12 again in my life. So I decided to fly PC-12. You know, life's short. But is that a smart idea if you just want to go to the... If you want to go to the majors, no, go, go to the regionals. Don't worry about the planes you can fly. Go get your seniority number and go fly. But for me, it was um, getting two birds with one stone. I was able to fly a plane that I've always wanted to fly, and I was able to build the hours for the, my dream job. Uh, when I was flying freight, there's times where I flew six <laughs> low IFR approaches and six flights back to back to back to back to back. And that was a 13-hour day. That was always fun. Um, yeah. <laughs> Freight is crazy. Uh, it, the on-demand part is absolutely insane. The regulations, and I mean, I hate to do this, but I think the FAA has not done a good job of maintaining safety with the 135 regulations and time. And I know that it's going to be hard for those carriers to, to stay in business if they change it. But I definitely think reform needs to come and it needs to be closer to what 121 is, if not better. It is absolutely ridiculous kind of 
what they just expect some pilots to do. And I know it's not popular, or maybe it is popular, but I really do think the FAA needs to to really put science into it and figure out a better way to do this because 1410, 1410, 1410 is not a safe thing to do, especially with 10 days on with freight. So uh, the, the 135 freight industry, uh, I hope it gets better for everyone. And I hope the 135 rules can change for the better as well. But Aviation, that's pretty much all I got for that. I will probably do an Ask Me Anything in case I missed anything or what you want to hear. Uh, like I said, would I do it again? Yes, I would. Flying freight, I learned a lot and I'm picking the best pilot I could possibly be. But I'm very glad that that time of my life is over with. <laughs> very, very glad. And now here I am flying a latitude. So it's all good. Got an APU, got a bathroom. It is so much easier in that job. But if you have any questions, shoot me an email, justin at pilotscoffee.com. Check out the coffee. It's amazing. Buy it and drink it. You'll love it. Aviation, hope you're having a great day. And as always, happy flying.